This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode number 74, The Deity of Christ. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, powers at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saving the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us. You've tuned into a show that really is taking a look at different topics that are found in the Bible. Some that maybe you didn't even realize were in the Bible. And some that maybe you kind of thought were, but didn't know the scripture references and what all it entailed. Now, we certainly don't do an exhaustive study at each one of these things. We, we take a look at them to get you started in perhaps your own study and... Uh, and maybe open up uh, some different topics that you haven't even thought about before. So that's what we're doing here. You can take a look. We're on episode number 74, which means there's 73 others that we've already done. So if you go to the website, that's in the Bible.com, and you'll see a whole listing of all the ones that are there. If, if whatever you're listening to us on doesn't have all of the 73 that came before, you can certainly check them out there and take a, take a listen. Well, we don't have a full house. Usually there's four of us. Today there's three of us. Matthew, up in, a missionary up in Alaska in the Arctic, is running some errands and doing some other things. He couldn't make it today. So, Matt, um, we'll be talking more about you later, I'm sure. But in the meantime, I'd like to welcome uh, Pastor Steve, who pastors a church in, uh, I guess it's Buffalo proper, isn't it, Steve? Yes, it is. And that's Blessed Hope Baptist Church. It is. And uh, would you like to tell a bit more about what you do there? Well, we started the church back in 2012, and you'll have to pardon me for my voice. Uh, If I yelled, I couldn't yell any louder than what I'm talking right now. Uh, But uh, we started, like I said, the church back in 2012. Got a small uh, uh, inner city church, and uh, we've just been plugging along and, and serving the Lord and uh, I've got some Bible studies that we do, and uh, church services, obviously, that we uh, that we uh, conduct, and uh, trying to reach the community for Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, the inner city is a place that's forgotten. Uh, a lot of churches uh, maybe started there have moved out, and uh, so a lot of those folks are are uh, without a church, without a Bible believing church. So we're trying to provide something for them there in the inner city that can uh, minister to their spiritual needs. Amen. And I know I was able to attend at least one service there, and it's a, it's a, a good, uh, nice, big building you're in there, big church building. You're in there. <laughs> yeah, amen. We're renting from uh, another church, and uh, they've been very kind and gracious to us, and and uh, it's been, been a good uh, good fit for us for right now. We're still looking for our own building, though. And and uh, Steve's voice is a little hoarse because he was in that um, performance of Handel's Messiah on Friday, which again I got to go to Buffalo to hear Orchard Park yeah, Orchard Park to be exact, and it was fantastic. Yeah. If and I would encourage anyone to uh, you do it every year. I understand, right, Steve? Yes, we do. The first uh, full weekend in December every year. So if you get a chance to be in Buffalo, New York, or close to Buffalo, it's worth the drive. 
to go here handles Messiah live. It's a great setting. Uh, the church that we were at there in Orchard Park was a great setting. The orchestra, the the I guess it's a chamber group, chamber orchestra, yes, of so, Western New York. Sounded great. Your choir sounded fantastic. And if you've only heard Handel's Messiah on CD or record, you're really missing something by not being able to attend the live performance. And as I was telling Steve, and I don't want to give too much details because in case anyone's listening, I wouldn't want to offend them, but I, I did hear another performance of Handel's Messiah just the recently after hearing um, the one in Buffalo, and it wasn't wasn't on par. So again, I would say that if you're you're able to get to Buffalo to hear that, it's uh, it's quite a moving experience as well. You know, to hear a lot of scripture, <laughs> you know, and music, and and it was well, well done. And didn't realize, I, I guess, I don't know why, but I didn't realize that Faith had that that leading role there. It's one of the yeah. soloists too. Who's, yeah, my daughter, daughter-in-law, she sings the alto solos for that, and uh, she's very good and very expressive. And uh, the one thing that's interesting, you know, about Faith is is uh, that she. Is is cognizant of wanting everybody to understand the words that she's singing, so she's very clear, and you can understand all the words, even if you're not familiar with, with uh, um, all of the text uh, from the scriptures that the soloists sing. You will be able to understand what she's singing. And uh, even though I've heard the um, Handel's Messiah, you know, more than once, obviously on on CD. I still don't know all the words. And so I'd, you're right. I'd have to listen very closely to the others to try and think, oh, what is that again? But when Faith sang, it was like, okay, I get, get a little rest. I can understand what's being said. Yep. And uh, what a beautiful voice she has, too. So glory to God. That was, Amen. That was awesome. All right. We also have Pastor Strobel, a regular, joining us. And he is the pastor of uh, First Bible Baptist Church in Lockport, New York. Amen. I am here. And how are things, great Pastor? God. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. I over oh, the last few weeks, I had a little bit of struggle with my own voice. Well, I was like Brother Steve is, but um, thankfully, it's getting stronger now. Now, was that from we'll singing or? <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, maybe only in part, and certainly not to the extent that Steve. Does. <laughs> yeah, man, maybe from preaching. Probably more so that yes, yeah, amen. that and uh, the weather and running running around interacting with people and whatever you might catch that kind of stuff. And I, I think I asked Steve last time we got together, which was not that long ago now, just a week ago, and and I asked Steve we were talking about the weather, and I said, "How's the weather, Steve?" And and like like he said then today also it's dark because <laughs> yeah. as we're recording this, it's like five thirty p.m. and it's already dark here. Boy, it yeah, makes, you, makes you appreciate those yeah. uh, lighter days. And and we really have it better than Matt because it's pretty much been dark for him since he's gotten up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's tough up in the Arctic. And Matt, uh, shout out to you, my friend. And uh, Amen. I'll second that. Uh, I won't say anything because I'll get in trouble. <laughs> It'll be misconstrued. <laughs> So there, there's a there's also a, re, a relation there that uh, Steve, Pastor Steve here, is uh, Matt's father-in-law. Yes, and so they, and I don't let him forget it either. <laughs> <laughs> but they have a lot of fun. 
As much as he's trying, he's going to step in <laughs> any minute now. I'm waiting. I'm pausing for him. I'm giving him some room. <laughs> giving him some room here. Yep. I told you I was going to try to behave, so it's we'll let hard. it slide. Pretty it's hard, pretty hard, is right. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm looking forward to the, to, to today's episode on the deity of Christ. Um, Pastor Strobel, he always brings a good good message for us, and so we're looking yes, for that, forward to that. But before we do that, one of the things, then I know I didn't really, we didn't go over this completely before the show started, so guys, if you don't have anything to add on what I'm about to say, that's fine. But once in a while, you know, we talk about things that have helped us in our Christian walk, things that we found helpful and useful, and and one of the things that um, it, I used to read all the time and just hadn't read it in quite a while again was a thing called the Bible Believer's Bulletin, and that's published out of um, that's published out of the Bible Baptist Bookstore in um, Florida, in Pensacola, Florida. Amen. And I know you can digitally. I think they have like all of last year's digitally. You can download free but if you want a paper copy i haven't seen it on the website but you can still get a paper copy now the the paper copy itself is probably half the size as far as um, length of what it used to be but it's still a very readable booklet and has some great articles in it and um when i was visiting matt up in alaska he gets a copy of this and i hadn't seen one in so long i said you you get that i didn't know they still publish that and sure enough they do and so I called them up and got on the uh, the mailing list, and there, were, of course, there's a fee for it. I think it's a little cheaper if you don't have it in an envelope. They just send it with maybe some tape across it and send it out to you. But I want to mine an envelope because I'd like to kind of save these and and be able to refer back to them. So if you're getting National Geographic or whatever else that you're adding to your <laughs> magazine list, I would recommend Bible Believers Bulletin. It makes a great Christmas gift for the Christian in your life. Some great articles. And um, I've really been enjoying uh, Robert Militello and some of the things that uh, he's written. Are you guys familiar with him? A little bit. So I've been enjoying some of the things that he's written. I heard him preach somewhere, too. I forgot now where. I think it was on YouTube or one of those things, and I thought he was great, and my wife liked him. So, so I would recommend the Bible Believers Bulletin. I'll put up a link on the um, the webpage for you to take a look at. It gives you some something to look at other than, I don't know what magazines are out anymore. I don't get any of the magazines, but you know, other than time or, I guess look is far gone, isn't it? <laughs> look and life, don't they don't publish anymore, but you know, Newsweek or Time or whatever those other publications are that they put out. Um, here's something else that you can add to your mailbox and, and look forward to. I don't know if you guys had anything you wanted to add. Um, let me let me give you a recommendation that I've been thinking about doing this for a while anyway, so it's a great time. <clears throat> but uh, one of the things that's been a blessing to me even um, recently is uh, the preaching of uh, Brother Sam Gipp. Um, I've heard him in person a number of times throughout the years, but uh, lately I've been um, kind of redeeming the time as um, actually as I, I do exercise, mostly uh, running, I'll put on uh, some preaching, and mostly uh, I'll, I'll listen a lot to him. He's got a lot of good stuff available, and the length of his messages really kind of go along real good with the length of uh, my my workouts. 
But uh, if, if you want to find his material, he has a lot of them, a lot of audio sermons online. You can find some on um, goodpreaching.com, I believe it is. Um, another good source is he has his own YouTube channel, which he tries to upload a new video each week. Uh, so if you just looked up Sam Gipp or Sam Gipp Preaching on YouTube, uh, find the one that is his own channel. And you, he's got a bunch of them archived there. A lot of good uh, good preaching, um, again, continuing to be added. Another thing that he did that I think a lot of you would get a blessing from if you haven't seen it is uh, he put together a video series on what's the big deal about the KJV. And there's, I can't remember, it's six or eight um, different uh, programs, but they did it as little short, um, almost just acted out episodes in which somebody uh, had a question about the King James and he'd get together with them and sit down it's really well done, and it's um, a good um, both introduction to the subject as well as uh, good meaty material as they, they eventually get into. That'll help somebody that's um, maybe trying to learn more about how to uh, defend and, and support the uh, King James Bible mm-hmm. or um, somebody that's not convinced and, and uh, needs to learn uh, about it. So um, I want to recommend him to you. I think he'll be a blessing. Amen. And boy, that video series there that he does that was really well done. It looks like it was professionally shot and recorded. So it's it's, uh, very entertaining and as well as really informative and helpful. And I'll put links up to his um, YouTube channel on the website as well as the goodpreaching.com where to find his sermons and things. Steve, anything you wanted to add? Well, I just say that I would echo uh, both of those, the Bible Believers Bulletin and Brother Sam. Uh, Brother Sam has been an encouragement to me for uh, years and years and years. Uh, you know, it, it's always good to have somebody that can, uh, even if you've been saved for a while, that can just kind of, uh, this is my own terminology, but it just kind of slap in the face just to wake you up. Because this world will put you to sleep Amen. and lull you back into, you know, uh, being inactive and uh, lethargic as far as your Christianity is concerned. And Sam has always been that that slap in the face just to to realize what this world's about, what the world's trying to do, what the devil's trying to do, and uh, what you really need to do as a Christian. And uh, I've always appreciated him, and he's always been... Uh, not so much a mentor, but but uh, a colleague and a friend that uh, can uh, can reach me with his preaching. I've always I've always liked his just down home, uh, uh, just uh, natural approach to things. Uh, he's very uh, uh, down to earth as far as what he uh, preaches and how he how he comes across, and it's always been a blessing to me. Uh, Coupled along with that, and and I guess this is maybe a little bit different uh, than the other two, but it's always been uh, something that I have appreciated over the years is someone when I was very young in the Lord took me under their wing and uh, uh, through friendship and uh, regular contact had a, a tremendous impact on my Christian growth in showing me that that Christianity is something that's real, uh, something that is uh, daily, and uh, that uh, 
showed me what Christianity, what the Christian life was all about, and showed me that it was 24-7 instead of something that I was accustomed to, of being, you know, like something that you do once a week for about an hour at a time, and then, uh, you know, you could put it off until you met again. And uh, that fellow was Ron Burris, and uh, uh, he he discipled me. And, and so, over the years, discipleship has really played an important part in my life in trying to do what, what he did for me. And as, uh, as Eric is probably can attest, I try to teach people to be able to do the same thing. So if you're a young Christian that you're trying to, you know, figure out what the Christian life is all about, my suggestion would be to find somebody that's uh, old in the faith that uh, believes the book and will not teach you what they believe, but teach you what the Bible believes and let them show you what the Christian life is all about. I remember uh, Eric uh, years and years ago, standing in the back of the church after attending the church there in Lockport and uh, was just kind of interested in what the Bible had to say and struck up a conversation and off we went for a number of, well, probably close to a year, year and a half of uh, just uh, discipleship and so forth Amen. and, and uh, you know, finding out not only technical things of what the Bible was all about, but but learning what Christianity is all about, and and living your life uh, for God in a way that would uh, that would please Him. So, uh, again, if you're young in the Lord and you're looking, I mean, Bible studies are good, and they can help you technically with with the truth of the Scriptures. But sometimes it's it's nice to have somebody to show you what the daily life of Christianity is all about, and I would encourage somebody to do that. Amen. And- that's absolutely Amen. true. I mean, um, Master Steve there is, is absolutely telling the truth. When I first um, was young, and uh, actually I wasn't even saved when I first attended that church in, in Lockport, um, and for Steve to take me under his wing and dis- disciple me, and, and actually he was doing it at the same time with another fellow, Roger, mm-hmm. was great. I mean, and I used to try and stump him. You know, with, with some of the topics that we, we've talked about here in the past and maybe some others, we would, I say, wow, what about this, Steve? You know, where did King get his wife? Huh? What about that? And so, you know, he would, I don't think he had the chart then. Maybe you did, you know, he, uh, well, he, maybe. he had all kinds of good information and, and just to see how he would respond when, when maybe I would be a little belligerent, you know, and, uh, he always kept his cool and it was raise his eyebrows and look at me and then you say, okay, <laughs> here's the answer. <laughs> Deal so, with it. <laughs> yeah. So it was good. And he's absolutely right. That, uh, that makes a huge difference. And I guess the other thing too, I wanted to say that I think we, we our, our best attempt is to give out good information, Bible, uh, believing information that honors Christ and honors the Lord. And, but you know, our podcast, please don't let it become a substitute from attending a church Amen. in, in Amen. your area, a Bible-believing Amen. church. And you may say, well, they don't have anything close by. And I understand that. I mean, I've driven over an hour before to get to church. And, and um, you know, I would prayerfully ask you to, to make sure that you, you become a part of a, a Bible-believing church and, and get in there where you can serve and help others, too. Amen. All right. Anything else, guys, before we start? 
I'm good. All right. So, Pastor Strobel, are you all set? Yes. All right. Here we go. God. Episode number 74, The Deity of Christ. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the time that we've got together, Lord, uh, on this podcast and the open door and opportunity that it is. And I pray for your blessing upon the message, Lord, today. Uh, help me as I deliver it. Help um, the others as they hear it, uh, those that tune into the podcast. And Lord, cause somebody that needs uh, this lesson to uh, tune in and get what they need. Uh, open our eyes and teach us from your word and help us behold wondrous things out of thy law for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I'm going to bring you a study on one of my favorite things to teach and preach about. Uh, it's also one of the most important subjects of the entire Bible, as uh, Eric mentioned to you. Uh, it is the subject of the deity of Christ. Um, some people also refer to this subject as the divinity of Christ. In either case, it means that Jesus Christ is God. And so let me, as we begin, boldly and unashamedly proclaim uh, right here at the outset that indeed Jesus Christ is God. So that's where we're going. Uh, having made that claim, I'm going to take you on a tour of several verses in the Bible that make uh, this claim uh, or support this uh, claim. And because the truth of the matter really, folks, isn't contingent upon what I think or what you think or what somebody else thinks, the truth of all this is, and all theological matters, really, the truth of it is contingent upon uh, what say the scriptures. And so we're going to see right from the very beginning that the scriptures are clear in their position on this matter, that Jesus Christ is God. So let's start with a verse that references the beginning. And it's not the more famous verse of Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, but it's the lesser known John 1-1, which says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in that verse... Uh, the word that's mentioned, that term, the word, is written with a capital W. Sometimes you'll see it with a lowercase w, sometimes with a capital W. When you see it with a lowercase w, um, and it's a reference to that which pertains to God uh, in, his, in, in his word, it is a, it's the written word. In other words, if you're going to find a reference to the Bible or the written word of God in the Bible, it's going to be uh, written with a small or lowercase w. When you see it with an uppercase W, a capital W, uh, it is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, I don't want to just say that and, and me just saying it makes it so because it doesn't. But uh, I want to establish that with the scriptures. So if you're, if you're looking in John chapter 1 and you see verse number 1, in the beginning was the word, look down now and look at John 1 verse 14. And there it says, and the word, again, capital W, so it's the same word that he was speaking about in verse number one. He says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. The word here is a reference, obviously, to a person. And that person is the only begotten of the father. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't look at it right now, but you can also see the word written this way in reference to Jesus in the uh, epistle of 1 John. <clears throat> so in verse 14, the word was made flesh. That's um, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, him becoming a man. But uh, that makes verse number one a reference to the same person. 
And in reference to uh, that same person, the Word, Jesus Christ, I'll read you verse 1 again. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God. Jesus was with God, and the Word was God. So the proclamation of John chapter 1, verse number 1, is that Jesus Christ is God. And uh, it's interesting because you begin to see the dynamics of um, uh, the Godhead, which I'll mention in more detail later on. He was with God, but he also was God. And uh, this is the clear statement. Now, I say it's a clear statement. It's a clear statement in our, in our King James Bible. And it's a clear statement that John chapter 1, verse number 1, is proclaiming the deity of Christ, is proclaiming Jesus Christ as God, unless you have something like a New World Translation of the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Jehovah's Witnesses organization, um, they have some pet doctrines. And uh, among their pet doctrines is that the belief that Jesus Christ is not God. And when they put their New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures together, uh, they put it together with prejudice toward these pet doctrines that they've got. And so they attack those doctrines, um, try to, um, try to uh, write their Bible to support their own doctrines, which they have done in so very many areas. And so when they, come, when they came to deal with this verse while they're putting the New World Translation together, this verse which is so strong in the deity of Christ, <clears throat> the verse smacked them right upside the head. And so they altered it. And with no um, textual reason or no manuscript evidence for doing so, they altered the verse and put it in as, instead of saying, and the word was God, they altered it, New World Translation did, to read, and the word was a God or a God. And when they wrote the word God there, they didn't capitalize it. They gave you a small or a lowercase g. So again, the King James says, and the word was God. The New World Translation says, and the word was a God. Now, if that's not blasphemy, uh, it'll do to you find some. But that is the Jehovah's Witnesses organization and their um, scriptures telling you that Jesus Christ wasn't God. He was a God, a lesser God, not the deity God. Um. They, the Jehovah's Witnesses have the same problem that a lot of other people have when it comes to the deity of Christ, and that is they, they can't understand it with their human minds, and so in their minds, it is not so. They can't understand how that Jesus can be both God and God's Son. Well, you don't have to understand everything of, uh, that's in the Bible in order to make it true. In fact, you don't have to understand anything in the Bible in order to make it true. It's, it's true. What's true is true, and God proclaims it. But um, just not understanding it doesn't give you the right to alter it. You know, um, one time I had a Jehovah's Witness, uh, I was talking to Jehovah's Witness, and he said to me once, he said, uh, we got dealing with the subject of the deity of Christ, and he said um, to me, he said, uh, do you have a father? I said, yes. He said, are you and your father the same person? I said, no. And then he goes, <laughs> give me the sinister laugh, like he had me. He didn't have me. My, my soul friends, comparing me and my dad with Jesus and his father, that's like they say, comparing apples and oranges. I mean, me and my dad are fallen sinners like every mere mortal human being that ever lived. But Jesus Christ was no mere mortal human being, nor was he a sinner. Uh, he didn't even have an earthly father. His father was God the Father. Don't limit God by comparing him to earthly fathers and sons. Uh, Isaiah tells us this. He says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if your human brain can't comprehend how Jesus Christ could be the son of God as well as God, it doesn't matter. It's still true because the Bible tells us it's true. And again, just like that verse, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. There he is together with God and the word was God. So the Lord just proclaims it, whether you understand it or not. Now, back in John chapter one, we learned something else about Jesus. And in John one, uh, again, beginning in verse number one, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, the hymn of the verse is Jesus, just as it is in verse four following. And so John chapter one, verse three reveals that it was Jesus Christ that did the creating back in Genesis chapter one um, and verse number one and, and, and throughout Genesis chapter one, when, when the Lord's creating all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now this becomes clear elsewhere in the new Testament as well, which to me was just um, an enlightening truth. When I first noticed it, Ephesians chapter three, verses eight and nine. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, says the Apostle Paul, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. What you don't get when you're reading Genesis chapter 1 without the New Testament is that um, the whole Godhead is active in the creation. You have God, the father speaking, you have the spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters and you have Jesus Christ doing the creating. Uh, he doesn't stop there. He hits it again. Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world's. God made the worlds by his son, by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the incarnate word of God, even as the Bible is the written uh, word of God. And, and again, th these are enough witnesses, but the Lord gives it to us again in Colossians. Colossians 1, beginning in verse number 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which, he hath, made, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Jesus Christ created all things and they were created uh, for him. Even as uh, we read about in Revelation, uh, God created all things for his pleasure. It's, it's God, the father, God, the son, they're, they're the same. Um, and again, it begins to be a little bit difficult for the human brain to, to process this. How can they be the same if they're, they're different persons? We'll discuss that a little bit more as we go on. But while we're here in Colossians chapter one, I wanted to notice something else about the Lord Jesus Christ in Colossians one seventeen, 
and this has already been implied, but here it's stated um, clearly, and, and it says in Colossians 1.17, and he, and, and that was the context of Jesus, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So what this verse does at the beginning is it speaks very particularly to a pre-incarnate existence of Christ. He is before all things, Jesus. Now, John the Baptist had acknowledged this as well uh, back in the Gospel of John chapter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 30. He said there of Jesus, this is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, when John the Baptist says this, he's not referring to Jesus being born before John was because John the Baptist was born before Jesus was. And I won't take time to, to read it for you, but you can check that fact out for yourself sometime by looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 36. Um, Mary came expecting with Christ when uh, Elizabeth uh, was, I believe, six months along uh, already with uh, John the Baptist. Then John the Baptist was born. Afterwards, Jesus was, was born. John was the forerunner of Christ. And he that uh, came uh, after him uh, was preferred uh, before him. John says, for he was before me. So he was before John the Baptist. He was before, he was in existence. Christ was before he became a man and before he dwelt uh, upon this earth. Now, in addition to the Apostle Paul's and uh, John the Baptist's acknowledgments, of the pre-incarnate existence of Jesus Christ, Jesus himself acknowledges it. John chapter 17, verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Christ in prayer uh, to the Father there, uh, with the disciples uh, present, acknowledges an existence that he had before he was flesh, before his incarnation, when he existed as part of, of what the Bible again calls the Godhead, even before the world itself uh, was created. Now that term Godhead, and the term Godhead in the Bible would be the same idea as the word Trinity, um, in this sense that God is a triune God, and the Godhead, uh, God himself, the Godhead consists of three personages. So it's one God, with three personages. Uh, again, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to be able to explain it. But if the Bible says it, you have to believe it if you want to be right. Let me give you um, somewhat of a crude illustration uh, of uh, how this could be understood. And, and uh, just mentioning uh, the, the likeness of this with, or, the, or at least the uh, illustration of this with an egg. Uh, an egg has three parts to it. Uh, these parts can be separated, and they've got different names. But they all work together to make one egg. You have the shell. Then you have the albumen, which is um, the clear part on the inside of the egg, the part that turns white when it's cooked, um, sometimes is referred to as the, the egg white. So you have the shell, the albumen, and the, the yolk. So those three parts make one egg. And the Godhead has three parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they are three in one and one in three. They are one God. To expand that um, earlier statement just a little bit, they are three in one and one in three. And the one in the middle died for me. And he died for you too, by the way. 
now, coincidentally, I say that, um, you know, with quotation marks. Now, coincidentally, the term Godhead shows up in the Bible exactly three times. Or puts it in there, one for each member of the Godhead, each member of the Trinity. Uh, it's first in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 9. I'll read you that, but I'll read you uh, verse 8 first. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, speaking of in Christ, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus Christ is God, and in him dwelt the fullness, all of it, all the fullness of the Godhead, in, in bodily, in his body, in his flesh. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, another reference to Godhead, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Uh, the other one is Acts chapter 17, verse 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. That is, God's not an idol. Uh, so God, again, just happens to use the word Godhead in the Bible three times, even as there are three members of the Godhead. All right, let me go on to um, something else. Hebrews chapter 1, I mentioned verses 1 and 2 earlier. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says that Jesus Christ is, uh, is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. But a few verses later, it gets even stronger. And you ought to take a good look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 8. And in Hebrews 1, 8, it's the, it is God the Father speaking. And the verse reads this, But unto the Son he saith, this is what God says, the Father, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. And this is a quotation of Psalm 45, verse number 6, and it identifies the God of that verse, thy throne, O God, as being Jesus Christ. So the Father calls Jesus God. We've got John the Apostle saying Jesus is God. We've got the Apostle Paul saying Jesus is God. And we've got God the Father saying that Jesus is God. Let's see what Jesus has to say about it. You want to follow along, look in John chapter 8, beginning in verse number 51. John 8, verse 51. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? Prophets are dead. Who makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. <laughs> Ever wonder why folks got so mad at Jesus while he's on this earth? It's, it's the way he talked to them when he was proclaiming the truth. And by the way, this is how he was talking to religious leaders that were proclaiming um, a false doctrine. He said, uh, and if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. 
Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Boom. And he laid it right on him there. Before Abraham was, I am? Well, that there not only is a claim to a, an existence before his incarnation, but that there is him taking upon himself the very title, the very name that God revealed himself to Moses with. I am. That's from Exodus chapter 3, when um, God appears to Moses at the burning bush. And Moses uh, says, says to God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say, say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. So when Jesus Christ says before Abraham was, I am, boy, they knew what they were, they knew what he was talking about. They understood the statement. And just after he makes that statement in verse 58, verse 59 says, then they took up stones to cast at him. Two chapters later, Jesus runs into a similar situation as he proclaims to the Jews in John chapter 10 and verse number 30 saying, I and my father are one. You can argue about what he meant if you want, and people will, but that's what he said. And the ones that were there to hear it in person, they knew the implications. Let me read you John chapter 10, verse 30, again, with the three verses that follow. John 10, verse 30, and I, he's, John 10, 30, and he says, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. Which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. They sensed the implications. They sensed it. Uh, Jesus Christ proclaims himself as deity. In Philippians chapter 2, verse number Verses five and six, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, verse six says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't think that he was stealing anything from God when he claimed deity. And that's because he knew who he was. He was God in the flesh. Uh, here's one in Acts chapter 20, verse number 28. It says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. When did God purchase the church with his own blood? It could only been when that blood was shed on Calvary's cross, showing you the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed was the blood of God himself. God, the son, the second member of the, the Godhead. The Old Testament, God the Father, in Isaiah 43, verse number 11, says, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. And in the New Testament, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Old Testament, uh, God says, I'm the Lord, beside me there is no Savior. New Testament calls Jesus Christ the Savior. 
And Second Peter 3.18 is just one of many places that refer to Jesus Christ as the Savior. And if there's no Savior beside God, as the book of Isaiah says, and uh, you know it's true because the Lord said it, if there's no Savior beside God and Jesus Christ is called the Savior, the only conclusion you can draw is that Jesus Christ is God. And that is the right conclusion. Um, here's another testimony of the scriptures, Acts chapter 7, verse 59. Uh, Stephen had been preaching to the Jews. They didn't like his message, and uh, they stoned him to death. He was the first martyr in the church. In Acts 7, 59, it says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He's calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. As he addresses God, he addresses him as Lord Jesus, according to the scriptures. How about John chapter 20? Um, Jesus had, uh, as after his resurrection, he had appeared to the disciples, but uh, somebody was missing. Let's, uh, let's read about him. It's, it's going to be the one we hear referred to as Doubting Thomas. And this is why he gets that name, John 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But uh, he said, here's where he gets the name Doubting Thomas. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, again, his disciples were within, within, and Thomas with them. Well, Thomas was there this time. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Jesus, or then saith he to Thomas, Jesus says to Thomas, then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Now stop and think about that. What if somebody said that to you? They looked at you and said, my Lord and my God. Why, if you have any sense, you'd say right away, you'd say, I'm not God. And I'm not your Lord. That's what I'd say. Certainly something along those lines. You have my, they said, my Lord, and my God, me. I'm not God. No, there's a God. And he ain't me. <laughs> What about Jesus? Let's see what he said. John 20, 28, Thomas answered, and Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord, and my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas gets no rebuke from Jesus for calling him God because Jesus is God. Uh, he got a spiritual slap in the face for his unbelief. Um, but uh, Jesus never said, don't call me God. I'm not your Lord. I'm not your God. He said, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Thomas believed right. Of course, it was, he had to see it first. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And you may not have seen it. Certainly you haven't. We haven't seen Christ Jesus. And maybe you can't even grasp it fully with your mind because it wants to break down saying, how can these things be? But don't ever forget. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. For with God, all things are possible. This is a light thing when we're dealing with, with God, the omnipotent God. Yeah, he's quite able to do it and quite able to make it so. And, and that's what he's done. And he has, he has in First uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, given us some more insight about this thing. And in First Timothy three sixteen, 16, 
He has manifested himself in the flesh as God. That's what the verse says. And without controversy, strange that he says that when um, some folks make a big controversy out of it. As far as the truth is concerned, it's without controversy. It is true. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. We stop right there. That's one reason why we can't fully grasp it. It is a mystery. And um, you might not see it fully revealed and grasped before you get to heaven, but if you're saved and you get up there, uh, you'll grasp it. By the way, if you're not saved and you get up there, you'll grasp it too. But it'll just be too late. And you won't get up to heaven, but you'll get up there for the judgment. First Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That's what happened to G- with Jesus Christ. When was God manifest in the flesh? God is a spirit, right? That's, the, that's God, uh, the Holy Spirit. That's the spiritual aspect of him. But, but he was manifest in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ justified in the spirit, uh, his resurrection, uh, did that scene of angels. Um, when he, after his temptation, he was seen of them and ministered to by angels preached unto the Gentiles. Christ Jesus was, uh, it was prophesied that he would be in, uh, the book of Isaiah and in the new Testament he was, and, uh, the Gentiles heard him. And, uh, Paul went to the Gentiles and preached him to the Gentiles believed on in the world, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He was received up into glory. That's what happened 40 days after his resurrection. And he, with the disciples stood on the Mount of Olives and, uh, ascended bodily up into heaven. He was received, uh, up into glory. First Timothy three sixteen is a, is a verse dealing with this mystery of godliness, the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a strong verse. So, um, you might not be surprised to find that the verse is attacked in other versions. Let me give you uh, some of the versions and what they say about 1 Timothy 3.16, how they quote it. Here's the Living Bible. It is quite true that the way to live a godly life is not an easy matter. But the answer lies in Christ, who came to earth as a man, was proved spotless and pure in his spirit, was served by angels, was preached among the nations, was accepted by men everywhere, and was received up again uh, to his glory in heaven. Now, they rightly understand the reference to Christ, but they wrongly, Kenneth Taylor, the author of the Living Bible, he wrongly eliminated the reference to God. God was manifest in the flesh. In Kenneth Taylor's Living Bible, you won't find the word God in 1 Timothy 3.16, but he's not alone. Uh, RSV, Revised Standard Version. 1 Timothy 3.16, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of our religion. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Well, the, the King James tells us it's the mystery of godliness and that God was manifest in the flesh. And um, they trade godliness uh, for religion what they do great is a mystery of our religion. No, the mystery of godliness, uh, ditto the new revised standard version without any doubt. The mystery of our religion is great. He again, old RSV, new RSV, no God in first Timothy three sixteen. He 
was uh, revealed in flesh, vindicated in spirit, seen by angels, and so on and so forth. All right, here's the new living translation. Sounds more like an old dead translation. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the spirit. He was seen by angels, announced to the nations, and so on and so forth. Once again, you eliminate the reference to God being manifest in the flesh. We know Christ was manifest in the flesh. We know he was uh, in a human body. But who was he? He was God. But uh, you eliminate that truth in a lot of the new versions when you eliminate God from 1 Timothy chapter 3.16. All right, one more. Uh, the message, which sometimes I affectionately call the mess. Uh, this was written by a man named Eugene Peterson. And he says, don't hold your breath waiting to hear God in the verse either, by the way, because he ain't, ain't going to be in this one either. But he says, this Christian life is a great mystery. Well, what that has to do with the mystery of godliness, that's just somebody's own private interpretation. This Christian life is a great mystery, far exceeding our understanding. But some things are clear enough. He appeared in a body. Who appeared in a body? Well, God. That's what the verse says in the King James, the inspired, preserved word of God. But uh, Eugene Peterson says, Peterson says he appeared in a body was proved right by the invisible spirit, was seen by angels, and so on and so forth. So uh, 1 Timothy 3.16, take it as it stands, and when uh, you get a verse that is attacked uh, such, uh, you know there's something there the devil doesn't want people to find out. And we know what it is, that Jesus Christ is God. Uh, let me show you another strong uh, 3.16. Now, John 3.16 is a good verse in the Bible, and First Timothy 3.16 is, is good, and another good 3.16 is First John 3.16. And here's a strong verse on the deity that I noticed um, well, within the last year or two or so, and, and, and it just hit me uh, out of nowhere as I was going through it. But First John 3.16, it says this, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Well, I got looking at it a little closer and thinking about it. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. When did God lay down his life for us? It could only have been on the cross as Jesus Christ. The scriptures are clear. Jesus Christ is God. And now for um, one of the strongest verses on the deity of Christ. And uh, one of the uh, strongest verses on the entire Godhead as well. And that is 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. And 1 John 5, 7, your King James Bible says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Now, that's the word, capital W, in 1 John, like we saw it in the Gospel of John. So you got the Father, there's God the Father, the Word, there's God the Son, and the Holy Ghost, there's God the Spirit, and these three are one. They bear record to heaven. So strong is this verse on the deity and on the Godhead, the subject of the Trinity. Uh, even though Trinity is not a Bible word, it certainly describes accurately the triune God. And so strong is this verse that it is summarily attacked by many scholars. Again, I use the term loosely. It's, it's strongly attacked by them as being a mistake. 
Um, even the old Schofield Reference Bible, which has a lot of helpful notes, it it makes a mess of things sometimes. And in the old Schofield Reference Bible, even though it accurately places the verse in the text, it includes a note in its center column reference <coughs> references that says this. It is generally agreed that verse 7 has no real authority and has been inserted. Uh, to which I say, if it is generally agreed that that is so, uh, then we need some new generals. Quite contrary to the claim that the verse has no real authority, the verse is dripping with authority, and so it stands without apology in the text of the King James Bible while it is altered in other versions. And if you want to see a, see a study in confusion, um, click, click the link that I'll uh, give you, Lord willing, here in the show notes, and look at the different renderings of this verse, 1 John 5, 7, on BibleGateway.com. And the link that I'll give you will show you a whole bunch of different uh, versions and uh, what they say about 1 John 5, 7. Now, I'm just going to give you one example of how the verse is butchered in the uh, NIV, which is the New International Version. Now, if you have your King James Bible handy, uh, follow along in it as I read you 1 John 5, 7 from the NIV. And uh, as you look in your King James, here it is from the NIV, 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that testify. That's it. That's all it says. 1 John 5, 7, New, New International Version. For there are three that testify. Where's the rest of it? Better yet, where's all of it? Because a closer examination re reveals that there's even something more insidious going on. In actuality, the NIV, like many of the other versions, what they actually do is they leave 1 John 5, 7 out completely because they believe what the Schofield Center Column Reference Note uh, said, that uh, the verse has no real authority and it's been inserted, so they don't think it ought to be there. So they take it out. But to keep you in the dark about the fact that they removed the entire verse and to maintain the um, uh, numbering system in the King James Bible of verses 7 and 8, they leave out verse 7 and they take verse 8 and they divide it into two verses, putting the first part in verse 7 and the second part in verse 8 so that you wouldn't suspect that anything is missing. So here it is exactly in the NIV, 1 John 5, 7, for there are three that testify, 1 John 5, 8, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. That's their rendering, really. That's the NIV's rendering of 1 John 5, 8 in its entirety, only they just make it 7 and 8, giving you part 1 and verse 7, part 2 and verse 8, and um, you leave out verse number 7. You get looking at all these things, and there's somebody that doesn't want you to know who Jesus is. It's of the utmost importance that you know and believe who Jesus Christ is. That's 1 John 5, 7, you know, one of those verses you ought to know. And if you're wondering if your Bible is good and you uh, open up to 1 John 5, 7 and you don't find the verse there in its entirety, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, you know you got the wrong Bible. Now, while you're still in 1 John, as we get a little bit kind of close towards the end of things here, um, while you're still in 1 John 5, let's also look at verse number 20. Verse 1 John 5.20, and we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding 
that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. What is the true God and eternal life? His son, Jesus Christ, the son of God. This is the true God and eternal life. I want to tell you what, you get reading the, your King James Bible, there's one thing it makes clear is it is that Jesus Christ is God. I talked about Jehovah's Witnesses earlier in the New World Translation. You know, um, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, I've had a number of them tell me when I maybe take issue with the New World Translation, uh, they'll tell me, oh, we believe the King James Bible too. Well, one time I had the opportunity to sit down with a Jehovah's Witness man and uh, with some other Christians, and, and, and I showed him John chapter 1, verse number 1 in the King James Bible. And uh, he had this New World Translation, of course. And that man had to admit and did admit to me that in the King James Bible, it is telling you that Jesus is God. He didn't believe it. His neural translation didn't say it. And when it came right down to it, he said he spoke the truth. And that truth was King James did say, does say that Jesus is God, but just goes to show they really don't believe the King James Bible. And they will always take the um, New World Translation over the King James Bible, just like a Mormon will take the Book of Mormon over a King James Bible. All right. A um, couple other things. And uh, hang in there because, in my opinion, the best is yet to come. While Joseph was thinking about what to do when Mary turned up pregnant before they were married, Knowing he was not the father, the Bible tells us the following, beginning in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. They, they're going to call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean? God tells you it means God with us, which means that little baby in the manger was God manifest in the flesh. It was God with us. It was a great mystery. It was God humbling himself as a man. It was God identifying himself with his creation, being born uh, of a woman, being born uh, in the flesh, living on the same earth that they live, subjecting himself to the same temptations that they were subjected to. And though he was tempted in all points like as we are, the Bible says, uh, yet without sin. And he overcame it. But he identified with his, his creation. He lived for his creation. He died for his creation, shed his blood for his creation, then rose again from the dead uh, to save his creation. God uh, took the burden of our salvation upon himself and came down to this earth as a man. And that little baby in that manger was Jesus Christ. All the, in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I mean, he, it means he possessed the characteristics of God, his um, omnipotence. He's like the, you know, the image gets imitated sometimes by the likes of our, our, our literature and cartoons, even bam, bam on the Flintstones, the world's strongest baby. 
And it just kind of a, a little imitation, as it were, of, of the strong, powerful baby in the manger, Jesus Christ. His name was to be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Are you convinced yet as to who Jesus is? Do you believe the testimony of the scriptures regarding his deity? Well, if you're still skeptical, we're going to look at one last place. And it's a verse that you might hear sung at this time of uh, the year as uh, Handel's Messiah is sung. As um, we, we were talking to you about um, earlier, uh, Brother Steve singing in it and uh, Brother Eric uh, hearing it sung uh, and the performance of it. And you hear it a lot this time of year. One of the uh, verses, and of course what Handel's Messiah is, it's, it's scripture set to music. And one of the verses that's sung, and you'll hear often this time of year, is Isaiah 9, 6. And uh, you want to note this verse. This verse is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming. And there's, here's what it says. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Well, that hasn't happened yet. Part of it's happened. The child has been born. The son's been given. But the government's not yet upon his shoulder. But it will be. It will be after the rapture, after the tribulation, after the second advent, when he comes to set up his millennial kingdom on this earth. But there's some other things the Bible tells you about him. Just like we read about his name being called Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us, uh, we're going to get some, some more about his name here. Because there's more names that he's known by. So let me give you the verse in its entirety. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I don't guess you'll get any stronger verses and references in the Bible to the deity of Christ than that. The child born, the son that was given, his name would be called the mighty God, the everlasting Father, showing you, that, showing you what Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Jesus Christ is God. No matter what you thought about it before this study, and even if you bristle against it now, we have seen that the clear testimony of the Bible, the abundantly clear testimony of the Bible, is that Jesus Christ is God. You may as well just line up with the Bible it's true, and it's the book that's going to judge you one day. Uh, as Jesus said, the word that I've spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day at the great white throne judgment, says the books are open. All 66 books of this Bible are going to be open, and uh, your life will be measured against it. So while you've got the chance, why not now, if you've never done it, why not not only believe in Jesus and who he is, God in the flesh, but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. For indeed, he is uh, God in the flesh. Jesus Christ is God. That's the deity of Christ. Amen. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think yeah, I amen. I don't think I want to say anything else. I think that that was perfect. <laughs> anything I could add would just mess that up. So Steve, you won't mess it up. Oh. Well, I tell you what, it's very appropriate uh, Bible study for the, the, the season that we're yeah. in right now, December, you know, coming up towards the, the time where the world celebrates his birth. And as we know that they're uh, falling far away from it, they're materializing Christmas and everything else. But uh, even uh, they'll recognize the, the babe in the manger, but they, 
they will not recognize him as God in the flesh. And it's great to have this reminder this time of year that uh, uh, Jesus Christ was God, even though he was born in a manger or, and placed in a manger, that he was still the, the creator. Uh, I like some of the things, you know, that, that uh, uh, can put people to silence with this subject in mind. And uh, some of those things Pastor Strobel uh, used, but uh, I'd like to draw your attention to one other, uh, where in the Old Testament it's talking about Jehovah, and in the New Testament it talks about Jesus Christ. Uh, one of those instances is found uh, in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 23, which says this, I have sworn by myself, this is Jehovah speaking, I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. And of course, in the New Testament, found in Philippians chapter 2, uh, in verses 8 or 9 through 11, it says this, Therefore God hath highly exalted him, a reference to Jesus Christ, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And then one other verse that, that came to mind as Pastor Strobel was, was giving all of those verses, and I'm looking at my Bible, and I'm just clicking them off one after another as he's going through them. But uh, one verse that I've always liked is found in Titus Titus chapter 2, and it says in verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, that's a great verse, and, and it, it declares Jesus Christ as being that great God, and certainly he is. And uh, I'm thankful that I came to the understanding that Jesus Christ was God a long time ago. And uh, it's given me uh, the ability to understand that the Bible, the King James Bible, is the actual uh, uh, inspired and preserved Word of God, and uh, that those things that the cults try to, to attack and scholarship tries to attack are uh, indeed just uh, false attempts to try to take away from uh, the deity of Jesus Christ. And so, appreciate the Bible study, Pastor Strobel. It was a good one. Amen. A lot of, lot of great scripture there, too, and um, you're going to get me the show notes, correct, Pastor Strobel? Uh, yes. All right, so you, if you miss some of those scripture references, they'll be on the website at uh, thatsinthebible.com under episode 74. You'll see the show notes there, and you can, you can follow along or, or just uh, write them down if you missed a few. Because I was writing them all down as we were going through again. I thought, this, <laughs> this, this is good stuff. Amen. Amen. It's great. And you know, the, the thing that still boggles my mind, and I don't think I'll ever get over it, is that the creator of the universe, the creator of you and me and the world, took on human form and walked around with man. That's just, yeah. I know it happened 2,000 years ago, but it still boggles my mind. That, Amen. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Amen. That I could walk up and, and talk to him. You know, and I know we can talk to him today. But to have him physically standing right there in front of us, and I know one day he will again. But, but to be on Earth and the, and to have that opportunity, that privilege, wow, it's it's amazing. 
you know. Amen. I think that was, you know, God's plan to be able to uh, save mankind. That's the only way he could have done it, mm-hmm. was to sacrifice himself, the perfect life that God uh, demanded in order to gain entrance into heaven. And uh, the only way he could do that was to have somebody be the, as the Bible calls it, the propitiation, the substitute. Yeah. So he substituted himself. Amen. And what more could you ask him to do? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Is, is there anything else that, you know, that you would like to have done, you know? Uh, wow. Well, and that's a good point because he, you know, God gets indicted all the time with people's complaints about, you know, it's like they, they talk, you listen to these people, it's, it's, they're not saying it uh, out loud, but it, here's what they're implying. Yeah, if I were God, this thing wouldn't be so messed up. I'd have done it yeah. this way and I'd have done it that way. And um, well, the, the Lord took responsibility for his creation. Yep. And he created us with the free will. He he understood we'd fall. And he cre- and he took responsibility and said, you know what? I'm going to create them like this, but I'm going to give them the opportunity. I will pay that price for them. And, and that's what he did. So uh, God is a very Amen. thorough and a very responsible God. He has lived up to his end of the bargain. It's, it's, it's we who have the issues. Amen. Yes, absolutely. And how thankful I am that he was able to you know, make a way for our salvation and a way for us to have eternal life and and that, um, you know, we'll have eternity with him and all these sorrows and these physical ailments that we experience and, you know, these the, the pain that we sometimes go through and from just being here on this earth and in sin, it'll all be gone one day. Amen. And, uh, amen, amen. and that's thanks to him, you know, so... Good to be saved. Amen. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thanks again for the study. We certainly appreciate it. Boy, this episode actually went kind of quick, and I can only assume because uh, what's the difference that the episode the went there? <laughs> Who was it here? The boy wonder. The boy wonder. <laughs> oh, dear, He's uh, off sledding somewhere in Alaska, scooting around in the snow. Uh, I think he said he was going to the airport picking up some folks. And but do you see, you see how efficient things ran when he wasn't here. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You almost made it, Steve. You almost made it. The closing moments, you couldn't, you couldn't hold out. Could you? It, it was never in doubt that he wasn't going to make it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, at your own peril, Matthew, we warned you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Duly warned. I love him. I love him to death. So. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, guys. I know this is, we're, we're chatting before the Christmas holiday and, and New Year's, and Lord willing, we'll reconvene in 2019. Lord willing. All right. Thanks again, guys, for, for being here, and uh, the all honor and glory goes to God. Then we'll fly, glory to share. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will many will meet their doom. Trumpets will trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous be in the skies. Go with where go where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will, many 
that shall rise, righteous be in the skies, going where, going where no one dies, heavenward This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.